This is Village Vice. I'm Zach Blackerby. He is Brad Law, and I've got to address something, Brad Law. So many people are frustrated with the offense, and rightfully so. Yeah. Rightfully so. It, it has not been very good, and very few parts of it have lived up to expectations. We'll get to some of that in stat time in a, in a few minutes. But the amount of people that I'm seeing that are talking about how Hugh Freeze was called in to call plays. That's why he was hired, was to call plays, was to bring his offensive mind to Auburn. And while part of that is true, there is a bigger element of this that I think some folks, some Auburn fans are missing, Brad. And I want you to tell me if I'm off on this. Okay. Hugh Freeze was brought in to be Auburn's head coach to fix Auburn football to revamp the Auburn football program, to pull it out of this big hole that we found ourselves in after four bad recruiting cycles amidst other things, right? And I think it's more than just production on the offensive and defensive side of the ball and wins and losses this year. I think a lot of it had to do with alignment. I think a lot of it had to do with fixing NIL. And a lot of it had to do with acquiring talent by any means necessary. And of course, that's through the portal and it's through recruiting. Hugh Freeze has made it very clear. His first few sentences as Auburn's head coach from the podium that day where he took the job, it was about recruiting. And he talked about how he was good at recruiting. He thinks he can bring some recruiting, you know, cachet back to the planes. And he's done that. You yep. cannot question that at all. And I just think the whole you know narrative of, well, he's this great offensive coach. He needs to be calling plays. That may happen in the future. Brad, and in fact, if I had to bet, I think it will. But right now, he's made a priority to focus his efforts in other places for the betterment of the program because his job is to bring Auburn football back, and he could do it by, I think he get to that point quicker by focusing on bringing in talent and making sure the guys that we want to stay at Auburn stay at Auburn versus calling plays this first season. Yeah. Yeah, what is in place this first season is not necessarily what will be in place in the third season or the fifth season or the seventh season. It is a process. Sometimes we're afraid of that word, but it is a process. Yeah. I think you're right. And I just I keep going back to his candor and the fact that when Hugh Freeze speaks, you don't have to decode it. We are so conditioned to try to translate press conferences to try to decode. We get our decoder ring and we try to put it down. All right, he said this, Yeah, he really meant this. You don't have to do that with this coach. So the, the job of the head coach coming into the situation that he came into, which by the way is entirely different from the situation that Kirby Smart came into at sure. Georgia. He right. came in on the back of recruiting classes that were strong. He came into a program that was winning regularly. Yeah, 10 not, wins were not a crazy concept when he no, took over. No, routinely yeah. winning 8-9. Like, that was the floor when he mm -hmm. took over that program. So, sure. um, Hugh Freeze's first job was to identify exactly what you said. What gets Auburn back on closer to equal footing first? And he told us right from the start, the reason that he hired the two coordinators that he hired who had lots of experience, they're seasoned coaches. There's yep. no, no learning on the job or very little learning on the job with Ron Roberts and Philip Montgomery. 
It mm -hmm. was so he could focus most of his efforts, especially the day-to-day -day handling, leave the day-to-day -day handling to them, focus his efforts on recruiting. That has paid off. It reminds me a little bit, I'm an analogy guy, okay? okay. You know how you drive to, let's say you're going to drive to Gulf Shores from Auburn. Okay. You have to go west before you go south. That's the quickest way to get there. You could go straight south and, you know, you could go through smaller towns and two lane roads and you could see some nice scenery along the way. But the fastest route is to drive west to Montgomery and then south on, on 65. So right now we're in the portion of the drive where Auburn's driving west instead of south because that's the fastest route. We all want to be at the beach immediately. We mm -hmm. all want to be, we want the white sand and we want the, you know, we want the restaurants and we want to go over that bridge and see the water. And we all want that immediately. Sure. But the fastest route to get there has you going a little more west before you can go south. And I believe that's where we are right now in year one of the Hugh Freeze regime. Yeah, uh, I like that analogy a bunch. I like it a bunch. So what does that mean as far as Auburn's offensive identity right now because right now the offensive identity is it's bad yeah it's inefficient it's not effective a lot of things that aren't good yeah. so what can the offensive identity be and against georgia in talking to georgia folks it seems like linebacker is the weakness of the georgia defense okay. and so hopefully Hopefully and they try to run the ball more. That's we, that's kind of what I'm hoping happens on Saturday. Weakness, by the way, weakness is a relative term when you talk about the Georgia defense. That's right. The least good thing about the Georgia defense is their linebackers. And yeah. so, you know, I, I think you attack that with, with running the football. I think you have the offensive line to do it if you do it well, especially if you can hit them in the mouth early. And we'll see if they'll be able to do that. You'll have Jordan Hare's energy around you. That should be a good thing to help this team. Um, I'll go so, as far as I'll yeah. go as far as to say this: If you don't have an early lead in the game, it's a it's a real it's problem. Yep. Yeah, because Georgia has started every single game like they thought it started in the second or third quarter. Right. Um, out of their 160 plus points this year, 17 of those have come in the first quarter. How about 17. that? Wow! So they're averaging less than a touchdown per game in the first quarter. You have to take advantage of a whole week to game plan and install yeah. a first drive. I'm not putting it all on the first drive, but um, you have the entire week to do that. You have the energy, you have the, the momentum, you have the belief and the hope of the fan. You have all that passion right there to open the game. You must take advantage of that in the yeah. first quarter. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I think you look at what South Carolina did against them two weeks ago. And I think Auburn has the defense to hold on to a three-score lead better than South Carolina does. I'm not saying they would in this case because Georgia has been so good in the second half this year, like you said. But I like Auburn's chances a little bit better if they could find themselves in that situation. Now, the disconnect, what I'm having a hard time envisioning is how do they get in that situation. They'd have to do a total reboot of what they did last week. But, hey, maybe it's a thing that Peyton Thor could get it done at home. Maybe that's a thing. And if that's the case, that'd be great. That'd be great because, you know, there's obviously a bunch of big home games coming up this season with the Mississippi schools and then obviously with Georgia and Alabama.
What's interesting too is in the now now the two opponents couldn't be any uh, more different on the road than they are at home. They're just there's such a vast difference between Cal and AM sure. on the road and UMass and Sanford at home. Having said that, right. those two games with UMass and Sanford, the two home games, the first play call of the ball game has been a pass both times. The little quick hitter to Jay Fair just in the flat against UMass and then the boundary pass against Sanford. And that seemed to get the offense going. Statistics show, the analytics will tell you, there is no more important play in the game, offensively or defensively, than first and 10. Your success as an offense or a defense uh, is predicated on first and 10 more than any other down and distance combination in the game. In the, the, the two road games, they've started with a running play. And it hasn't gone well from there. Now, I'm not drawing a complete link between game, I mean, play one of 75 in a ball game, but it is interesting to note that at home, they've started with a pass play. On the road, they've started with a running play. It'd be interesting to see what they try to establish as that identity out of the gate against Georgia. Yeah, and obviously one play yeah, isn't worth zooming in on, especially the first one, but it may give a nod to what they're trying to establish early, you know, especially mm -hmm. against Cal where they wanted to run the football. So we'll see what they do. We'll see what they do against Georgia. All right. Uh, it's stat time in just oh a second, Brad Law. But first things first, we got to talk about our friends at mybookie.ag. Right now, they're doing a special bonus. If you go to mybookie.ag, sign up for an account, and use promo code next round, you get a 110% bonus. They're only doing that this week. So jump on it. Jump on it right now. And I'm looking at mybookie at the moment. And they have Auburn as just a 14 and a half point underdog against Georgia. That seems low to me. I'm not going to lie to you. That seems low to me, but maybe they, uh, maybe Vegas is banking on them having a slow start again. Georgia having a slow start and Auburn being able to score points. UAB was able to score three touchdowns. Maybe Auburn can do the same there as well. So head over to mybookie.ag if that line entices you. And um, yeah, you get, you get a nice bonus there. Once again, use promo code next round. Yeah, I think it's a lot of credit for the defense. It's a lot of belief in the sure. Auburn defense. And like, it, yeah, just what you said, Georgia's slow starts in games offensively. A&M scored 27. A&M had been putting up 40 a game coming in, and they got 27. And I give seven of that to the defense being tired late in the game. They don't rip off a 70-yard chunk run in the, mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter if the game's playing out differently. So, right. yeah, I'm okay, okay with that line at this point. Um. Who would you take right now? Mm. We'll save that for the Village Vice six-pack. With the line, we'll include the line this week? Is that what you're saying? No, I would take Auburn with that line. I okay, you take Auburn, Auburn plus yeah, 14 and a half? Absolutely, yes. Okay. I think I'm on the other side of that right now, but we can change our mind. we got plenty of time. we got plenty of time. Okay, it's stat time. Brad, got four stats this week that I want to run by you. I just want your reaction. Okay. All right, Peyton Thorne, his deep ball has been one of the best splits in his passing attack. We're classifying deep ball as over 20 yards downfield. So on the season, he's 8 for 15, throwing it 20 yards down the field. That's 53.3%. You take that as far as 20 yards down the field. 260 yeah. yards, two touchdowns. He's got a pick in there as well. So when he throws it, it's been good. Against Texas A&M, just one deep ball thrown. Well, he didn't have time. Most of the time, he didn't have time to throw the deep I don't know ball. if I entirely agree with that. 
Oh, I think but, most I think most of the time that was the case. I think if you look deep and you hesitate, then you don't have time. Well, like, yeah, I think that's fair. All right, maybe 50-50. Maybe 50. Because there were, yeah, he held he, he held on to the ball. Yeah, I mean, we've ball. talked about the pass rush, right? I mean, right. it's it's not all in the offensive line. It's not all in the quarterback. It's not all in the play calling. Like, it's a lot of things that go into it. But to say, like, when everything else isn't working, like, to say you're not just going to yeah. throw up a 50-50 ball, I, I just have a hard time making that make sense. That's fair. No, that's fair. And I, I, yeah, I appreciate that perspective because that was my knee-jerk reaction was, wait, didn't have time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, sometimes he didn't have time. Other times he created a lack of time. Yeah. They, yeah, will like, get, and- they will get home eventually if you hold on to the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. All right, Jarquez Hunter has been best running around right in. Ten carries. 56 yards. He's on three first downs. And then two of those 10 carries have been for over 10 yards. Hmm. That's on the season. So, yeah, that's that's interesting to me because didn't we talk last week about Auburn's success running the ball to the left, the left side? Yeah, it's been more efficient as far as scoring yeah. in the red zone. They've gone to the left. But between the 20s, it seems like they're going to the right. And Jarquez Hunter has found uh, some success with that. You got to feed him. I, I just, I continue to say if Jarquez is 100%, and there are times I watch him and I don't know if he's still dealing with an ankle or if it's just like, does he just walk with a little bit of a, does he walk with a little bit of a limp? Because I do, I do think he's got a little bit of that to his gait. But I, I, boy, it's hard to imagine not feeding a guy who is so strong and seemingly durable as long as he's holding on to the ball. Yeah, um, you you just got to feed him more, I think, in this game, especially if your identity going back to point number one going forward is you're going to lean more on the running game and try to shorten the game. Then that's the guy to that's the guy to do it. Yeah, and I guess one of those runs would have been. This is what makes me feel good about his health. Honestly, it was one of those first runs where it was originally up the middle. Yeah, and there was traffic, and he slowly worked his way outside, and then that classified as a, as a around the right end run, um, and that's when. I think Auburn kind of started to believe, oh, we can run on Texas A&M. Then they stopped. So uh, then, uh, all right, my third step, Brian Batty has also been best around right end. Six carries for 50 yards around right end. He's been yep. limited as, as total. You know, he just hasn't gotten a lot of touches. But of those six carries, Brad, five of them have been for first downs. Hmm. Yeah, he was awfully impressive against a and I, I think he was one of the offensive bright spots in a game with not many bright spots. Um, it gave you the real-world experience to believe that, all right, without Damari Alston for a while, you can go down the line and guys can still produce. Now, mm-hmm. a couple of those, I think, were plays that started up the middle and he bounced it to the outside, a couple of them anyway. So does that say something about your right tackle? Does it say something about your tight end blocking or receiver blocking on the right side of the play that there are more open spaces? Or is that just sort of the natural inclination of a running back if there's nothing there up the middle to bounce it to the right side? Is your momentum going that way? Is there something to, all right, I'm going to bounce it to the right? Yeah. And I've talked to former running backs, and usually the inkling is to go to the left because you want to lead with your right shoulder if you're right-handed. So it actually is a little unique. Um, but also, and you touched on it, but just the timing of Brian Batty's emergence in the offense um, when, when Damari went down, I think if there is a positive to that, that is that is it. Yeah. Um, 
got to get him the ball in space. Get get him the, the ball on the edge. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. I think him, Cobb, Hunter, they, they've all got to be a part of your game plan against Georgia. For sure. I'm okay with lining a running back up in the slot, too, and doing some motion with him and all kind of stuff, but I'm not. I am if it's Cobb. Yeah. In which we've seen some. Of, sure. Right. Maybe Batty, maybe. I don't maybe know. So. I, don't, I don't know if I want Hunter out there, but but Cobb, I 100%. No, I, I mean to compliment Hunter being in the backfield. That's Got what I, I love two running backs on the field at the same time. I just I think that the hesitation that can create in the defense and then the explosiveness to, to take advantage of that is there with multiple running backs. Yeah, especially if you huddle and the defense has to adjust, mm -hmm. they may keep an extra linebacker in if that was the case. And then if you put them at slot and you feel good throwing the football to them if you need to, which – Breeze has kind of hinted at before mm -hmm. with Cobb. Um, maybe you get a mismatch there. All right, my last stat for stat time this week. Rivaldo Fairweather, Auburn's own, Auburn's sweetheart, if you will. Rivaldo Fairweather, the tight end, is perfect on targets 10 yards or more downfield. So from the medium range, 10 to 19 yards, he's uh, been targeted once, and it was a catch. And then 20 yards or more downfield, he's a perfect two for two. Two targets, two catches for 69 yards. Hmm. Nice. So you, it's the old Gus Malzahn, Georgia 17, where you go, get it to him, get it to him, get it to him. Throw him the ball, let him make a play. He is the guy you feel most confident in getting a 50-50 ball right now, is he not? Yes, because Shane Hooks has not won me over in that department yet. We haven't seen Jair Shorter really get an opportunity to. So right now it has to be Rivaldo, almost and, by default. And but he doesn't feel like a default. He feel to me anyway. He feels like he's the guy because he's earned it. Good point. Like sure. And if that's the case, get it to him. Get it to him. Get it to him. Uh, so yeah, so that that's this week's stat time. You talk about confidence in Rivaldo Fairweather. Yeah. How can I get confidence in picking games, Brad? Oh, well, the way to do that is very easy, Zach, and I'm glad you asked. It's by going to lanceslock.com. We're so in sync. This is great. Uh, right now is the time to get the best price on monthly and annual packages at lanceslock.com. Uh, you would have had a great Monday night watching the NFL if you had gone to lanceslock.com. In fact, your NFL week in general would have been much better if you had gone to lanceslock.com. So sign up today for the best deal. Get in on it now, lanceslock.com. If we were any more in sync, we'd need frosted tips and background vocals. Uh, that's right. I was more of a Backstreet Boys guy growing up. You? That's okay. I that's was okay. neither, but my sister's four years younger than me, so we had Backstreet Boys and NSYNC blaring through the house every morning when we got ready for school. My mother loves, still loves the Backstreet Boys. So I've actually been with her twice to see them in concert. Is that right? Yep. Did they put on a good show? It was fun. It was fun. I didn't know some of their newer stuff, but their older stuff, like it was, it was kind of, it was fun to yeah. hear that. Boy, I've, that been to like, I've been to four concerts, Brad. Backstreet yeah. Boys twice, Maroon 5 twice. That is, that no is my kidding. concert list. Yeah. Did they put on a good show? Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Adam Levine is one of the more talented people on the planet. I would think they would. I don't have a lot of concert experience. I did see Bruce Springsteen like, I don't know, 20 years ago. Yeah. Gosh, it has been 20 years. Um, he was unbelievable. He went three hours strong, didn't take a break, lots of energy the whole time. And he was, you know, he wasn't necessarily that young. Sure. Even then, uh, that was, that's probably the most energetic concert that I've been to was Bruce Springsteen.
Yeah, you don't realize how talented these people are until it's like, oh my gosh, yeah. they're they're like voice and their diaphragm. This is crazy. Okay, um, Zion Puckett's been great this year. Yeah. He's been really important, really underrated. All this, you know, all the focus a bit on the corners, um, just because they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be good, and they have been. Uh, and then the defensive backs, we've been kind of enamored with Keontae Scott before he went injured, and then Donovan Kaufman because there was one, he's been great, and then he got hurt, and then it's like, is he going to come back? And fortunately, he did, and then he got chicken up like five times after plays against Texas A&M. Hopefully, he's good to go. But there's been a lot of focus on everybody but Zion Puckett, and he's been great. And Hugh Freeze gave him a nod earlier this week. Yeah, we, we kind of took him for granted or take him for granted a little bit, but you saw what happened when he came out of the game. And Hugh Freeze did put it on depth in the secondary and playing without Keontae, playing without Donovan, um, but then losing Zion Puckett. He's the guy back there at the safety spot who's charged with getting guys lined up. And if you don't start in the right place, if your alignment is off from the beginning of the play, you're in trouble. You yeah. wondered how, if you're just sort of casually watching the second half or the third quarter specifically of the Texas A&M game, you go, how in the world are these guys suddenly running wide open for mm -hmm. these big chunk plays? And that's going to happen when you get down to second or third string guys. And that's not to... It's not to lambaste the guys who are, are the backups and they're trying, but it, it highlights the importance of a guy like Zion Puckett and what he brings to the his role within the defense. Not just a sure tackler. He's not good. In, it's not just that he's good in coverage, but the alignment is like eighty percent of it. So mm -hmm. a big thing to watch Saturday is. Uh, is Zion Puckett healthy? That's a huge key for Auburn defensively if they want to try to slow down Georgia. Yeah, he was targeted. The guy he was covering in, in coverage was targeted three times, and he gave up two catches, and you're like, oh, that's not good. And he's like, for nine yards. Yeah. For nine yards. So I mean, when you talk about how Texas A&M's offense exploded later in the game, which is part of why I'm concerned this weekend as for topics we've already talked about, but Zion Puckett was solid. Zion yeah. Puckett was solid. I don't think there's any question that the Auburn defense is better when he's on the field, and you can say that about a lot of guys, right? But and we have, we just haven't really said that about Zion Puckett yet. And so yeah. we thought that no, was worth it. Deserve to send him some some flowers. You don't think those offensive coaches up in the booth for or for Texas A and M say, "Hey, ten's out, ten's out, ten's not in there." They got to know where ten is, and the Georgia coaches will be the same. They will try to take advantage of Auburn's defense if ten is not in the game. So Auburn fans are hoping they see him Saturday. That's right. That's right. On a scale of one to ten, Brad, here's Ion Puckett. Thank you. Gosh, I'm ashamed of of the fact that it took me a half a minute to. Yeah, I'm like, are, is our internet messed up again? What just happened? Uh, what just thanks. happened? Probably a good place to end it, Brad. I think that about does it for today. <laughs> it does. Thanks everybody for watching. We really appreciate it. Remember, everyone has vices. Make sure Village Vice is one of yours. Uh -huh.